I don't like corporate because of leadership. It's always some crazy stuff that don't match. You know, you could be the most productive person and then hit the hit many walls and obstacles. You're not really rewarded for doing things the way that they need to be done. You're rewarded if maybe you're with the office politics, right? It just doesn't make sense. So the year that I left, I got this big old tattoo. It is a peacock, right? And I got one feather that goes up my neck to make sure I don't go back. And it's almost like a fuck you to corporate. So I love my tattoo. <laughs> Welcome to the Smartest Podcast, a show that is dedicated to helping you achieve success. I'm your host, John Colderize Lawson, entrepreneur and best-selling author. In this episode, you will hear from one of the most successful people in the world. So get ready to improve yourself by learning from those who have already found success. Yo, people, what's up? This is your boy, John, and I've got with me one of the most vibrant, amazing, and uh, as you will see shortly, my friend Shay is going to blow your mind. So with that, Shay, please introduce yourself, tell everybody who you are, why we should listen to you. All right. So my name is Shay Cannon and who I am is me. That's enough. I am enough. Uh, no. So I am a digital nomad um, a slash expat because, you know, digital nomads tend to stay places temporarily. Um, I tend to stay a little longer term. Um, and so what I do for money that pays me to uh, be in these different places is I have my own business. Um, in short, I'm a business consultant. But if you really want to know, I'm a fractional chief operating officer for other small businesses, but small is relative, like some are seven-figure, multiple six-figure, six-figure businesses. And so I manage their business, manage their teams, manage all the problems um, for business growth and business scale. So that's how I make my moolah. But my real currency is freedom. I like oh. to uh, live and work anywhere. And so that's what I do. So where are you right now? Right now, this moment, I am in Buenos Aires, Argentina, which as you know, or you may know, is like the beef and tango capital of the world. But right now we are also the World Cup champs. Go Messi number 10, I think he is. So yes. Yeah, that's right. How did how did they uh celebrate? I mean, that had to be really like the Super Bowl celebration for sure. So it was it's worse than the Super Bowl. So yeah. you know. You, you know, us Americans football don't make sense to anybody else but us, much like our uh, our uh, system of measurement. Uh, but uh, <laughs> and we're not we changing. We are not, we're not changing. You know, and y'all y'all claim y'all about to change daylight savings time, but we're going to see because you didn't do it last year. So we, uh, gonna... it's not changing. Either. Um, but basically, um, it's the real football um, and it is a worldwide sensation everywhere. Yeah. United States. Uh, everybody else is huge. Um, the celebration here was nuts. Do you hear me? It was nuts. <laughs> it was over the top nuts. But I had I've been here a year. So uh -huh. I had been here when the local clubs played each other. It's, I'm from Alabama. So it was like Alabama playing Auburn in football. Um, it was a big deal. Right. And so when the when the local one of the local teams won, which was the big the underdogs was um, Boca Junior. And, you know, the big elite team was River Plate. But Boca Junior, the underdogs won the championship. And oh, my God, these people went nuts. Right. They they had their own little um, parade down the street to the obelisk. And, um, you know, it was crazy. So I knew if that was just a local team. Mm. <laughs> 
and our national team won. I'm not going outside. So I already knew. Um, so what happened was when the team came in overnight, they flew in overnight and the next day they did the parade. And so they had this bus that the team was on. It was like a double decker and they were on the roof, you know, waving and whatever. People were dropping off of things onto the bus, trying to climb the bus. The, the crowd was, was, it was so many people out there because people came from everywhere. And so the bus got to a point where they couldn't move anymore. They had to helicopter the team off of the bus. No kidding. It's a tour by helicopter. Look it up. It's in the news. Wow. You see that, if, even if you see the picture of all the people around the bus, you're like, yeah, that looked like a problem. Wow. Yeah. That's they insane. don't play about this. They're football. Wow. They had to helicopter the team, the team out off, of the bus. off the bus. Mm -hmm. Wow. Awesome. So it, that's a whole, I mean, that's a whole cultural thing in it and is. of itself that we don't really, you know, so how do you, how do you, you know, well, let's, let's just back it all the way up. I mean, what's, what's your, what's your uh, background? What, what did you do when you were in, you know, corporate or did you ever go in corporate America? I did. Um, that's how I know I hate it. Um, so um, I was, <laughs> I was a paralegal for a top fortune 100 firm. I've only ever worked for two firms in my nine year career and they were both top fortune 100 firms. Um, you know, the kind that have a firm in every major city, you know? Um, and so I worked there and I was, I was great at my job and I, I love I always tend to love the job, right? And then sometimes you love the people, but in corporate, it's always that leadership piece that is mm. just mucked up. Yes. Um, and now yes. being a fractional chief oper operating officer, I've always been a born leader, but I didn't know the principles of leadership. I just knew that I was great at leadership, right? Um, and now I know I was great at it because I knew that being a great leader was you were of service to those under your care, right? Um, what I now know about corporate America is they tend to put rainmakers in leadership spots. And that means that person is a good performer, right? They bring in the bucks of whatever that uh, organization is. And so they allow that person to be a leader and they hope that they spawn little rainmakers, right? But that doesn't make a good leader. That might make a good trainer, but it doesn't make a good leader. So one of my favorite leaders that I follow right now is Simon Sinek. And he just, I mean, he is aligned with my soul. And so I learned more and more about leadership and small business. Um, but yeah, I don't like corporate because of leadership. It's always some crazy stuff that don't match. You know, you could be the most productive person and then hit the hit many walls and obstacles. You're not really rewarded for doing things the way that they need to be done. You're rewarded if maybe you're with the office politics, right? It just doesn't make sense. So the year that I left, I got this big old tattoo. It is a peacock, right? And I got one feather that goes up my neck to make sure I don't go back. And it's almost like a fuck you to corporate. So I love my tattoo. <laughs> wow. So really, do you got that because of the corporate? That I is did. really, really interesting. Yeah, Very I got it that high because of the corporate thing. I got, you know, I tend to have a little masculine energy. So if you don't know, the peacock is actually the male, but it's yes. a beautiful male, isn't it? That, yes. You know, it's kind of me. I don't have a, a thingy, but you know, it's my energy. It's beautiful masculine energy. Oh, wow. All right. All You're right. Learning so that's much a, about your friend. I know. At. That's a lot, man. That's a lot. <laughs> oh, my God. But okay. So you have, to, but I, I really want to tap into what you just said. I mean, that was interesting that, that you know, we often put rainmakers yeah. in leadership thinking that they're going in the hopes of that they will kind of duplicate themselves. 
Yeah. And and that does not necessarily just because you are a rainmaker does not necessarily mean that you have the ability to no. actively lead. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, you know, um, like LeBron James or Michael Jordan would never, well, most likely, I don't know, maybe LeBron would, but I know Michael wouldn't, would never be a great leader, no. right? It because, took Kobe a while to become one. So yeah. think about it. He was a rainmaker in his own right, but right. his goal was to make the rain. And since I'm the best person on the team, just give me the ball. You know what I'm saying? Just so it wasn't until he a little older that he understood what leadership was and that it wasn't all about him and that right. he could do better with the support of others. And that's what a leader does. Ah, that's yeah. really, really good. That's yeah. really, really good. Okay. And so, I mean, if so people, how does that help you in mm -hmm. what you do now? I mean, you know, what what are you doing to help transform organizations or people that, that hire you? You know, you might go in there and it's just a mess. You know, how do you put those, you know, issues together and, and make it profitable again? Well, for the for the CEO who is the quintessential rainmaker in the in the small business world, most often um someone becomes uh you know a, a business owner because they were good at something that people would buy. Right. Um, and so they started this business um, and then they hired people to help them. They are the quintessential rainmaker. They're not necessarily a leader. So I come in and I'm I am the keeper of the vision. Right. As the second in charge, I'm the keeper of the vision. The CEO gives me their vision and then I manage the team so that they can execute the vision based on what the vision is. Right. So what that ends up being is I'm almost like a liaison in between the team and the CEO. Right. So it is my actual job to be a leader. It is my job to inspire. It's my job to motivate. It's my job to serve them so that they can serve the company. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas the CEO, their job is to be the, the rainmaker. Right. Their job is to go out and get more business and throw it at us and, and say, hey, make this a well oil machine so we can make more money. So do it quicker. You know what I'm saying? So we can bring more people in and get, you know, get other people out. You know, I just want my dream to come true. Like y'all handle it. Right. But if you if I step out the way and let the CEO talk to the team, that energy is very different. Yes. Their goal is very different. Right. Yes. And, yes. It, it, and the crazy thing about it is in my own business, I need a buffer between me and my team. Because yeah. in my business, my For goal is to be the rainmaker. <laughs> ah. Like that, right? So, so you we all have our we, put in the wrong position. So we all have our positions, you know, yeah. even in you know the the top level of the organization sometimes. Yes, yes. You know, and, and it's funny because people don't understand that you have different facets and right. sometimes circumstances bring out different things in you. Um, you know, they're so, I don't know, people get it wrong sometimes. They think you're supposed to be the same person all the time. And if not, then you've switched it up. You're two-faced. No, different situations bring about different sides of you. I have a great example, right? When we are service providers as, as small businesses, we expect everybody to give us all the grace. Well, you know, I'm a small business. Oh, well, you, I'm gonna get to it. This happened, that happened, whatever, right? As a service provider, that's where we are. But when we pay our money, this is why I don't do business with small businesses because I need what I pay for. Give me what I paid for. Same person. <laughs> Different circumstances, right? Yeah, that's the grace that you want as a service provider. So yeah. sometimes, I mean, sometimes. <laughs> I'll never forget. I had a uh, uh, a CPA. Yeah. Right. We were in tax season, mm -hmm. and gave her all the paperwork and everything. She came back to, and, and I was like, I ain't heard from her. 
been a week. I ain't heard from her. It's been like 10 days. So, you know, two weeks out, I'm calling her. I'm like, yo, what's up? What's going on? And what she did tell me is that she had a big client come in mm -hmm. and I was working on their paperwork, blah, blah, blah. I did fire. Yeah. You know, because, because that's not what I want to hear. But, mm -hmm. but also the least of what she could have done was communicate with you. Yes. Right? Because yes. we are human as small business owners. And it's not that we're not going to make mistakes. It's not that we're not going to need grace sometimes, but you need to communicate. And when you're doing people wrong, you need to try to make them whole. Hey, John, you know, something has come up. It's through no fault of your own. I can't do it the way I thought. Is it any way possible? Mm. You can give me two more weeks. And if you do, I will throw in an audit that mm. that's usually mm. worth such and such amount. You know what I'm saying? And you would have been like, yeah, like give me the audit. I can wait two weeks. But you right. don't sit there and wait and people have paid you money and they have to come and follow up with you about what they paid for. That's a that's a no. That's, that's a, no. a problem. And yeah. then, you know, and I and I get it. We all have issues. I'm a small business, but you're yeah. right. If there's an issue, I'm going to get in front of that. Let people mm -hmm. know the expert. I got to change the expectation. Yes. Yes. Man. That is, yeah. that's, that's definitely some good stuff. That's not even what I want to really talk to you about, but <laughs> I mean, it's some good stuff. Let's go into uh, Simon. How did you get in, okay. you know, uh, um, into Simon? I, I mean, I got to meet Simon maybe six years ago. We shared Ooh, a I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Um, the closest I've come is I um, signed up for this free summit and he was speaking live. So I felt like I could be there and kind of magically breathe the same air because he's speaking in real time and I'm listening in real time, right? Um, come to find out the organization didn't send a link out uh, via email the way they were supposed to. So I missed it and he didn't give them the rights to a replay. So I didn't even get to watch the replay. So I was kind of mad, but um, yeah, I'm jealous about that. I really am. Um, but how do y'all come? You know, I'm real. So I do self-development. I do professional development and I usually do uh, and spiritual development. I usually do it on Sundays. Right now, my spiritual development could be Super Soul Sunday with Oprah. Who knows? Um, but when I get into professional development, I'm always just picking topics I want to be better in in the moment. And I found um, Seth Golden mm -hmm. when I was working on marketing. So that's my like marketing goat, my guru, right? And so I like Seth Golden. He actually explained what a brand was in a way I understood, right? He's like, yeah, it, you know, it's not your logo, your colors. It is the reputation and the look and feel and what people can expect from your brand. And that's when he goes into the thing about if, if Nike had a hotel, you would know what to expect because they have a brand, right? If Hyatt was to have a shoe, you would have no idea what to expect because they just have a company. Like there's nothing so uh, unique about Hyatt in their hotels at all. So they don't really have a brand, right? right and he right. also goes on to say, if you have a brand, you can dictate what people pay for your brand. Um, if people are arguing with you over how much they have to pay you, you don't have a brand. So um, love it. Um, but so I was, you know, you know how sometimes I do it on YouTube because I like, even though I'm listening mostly, um, mm -hmm. I like to kind of glance every now and then. Um, right, right. But it rolled, the YouTube rolled to something else and it was Simon Sinek. And I was like, wait, what is this, right? Um, and he was at that time talking about start with your why. Ooh. Oh, that's the first one. Oh, yes. you know, that's my thing, right? Because my oh, why yeah. is never money. Like, I don't yeah. want to be broke or nothing, but my why is freedom, right? And sometimes freedom comes in ways that you didn't need money. Um, and so freedom is, is the thing for me. And so when he said that, I was like, oh, I was all into it. And so now he has, um, what's the new one he has? Uh, I was going to say macro versus micro, but that's not it. Infinite game. Infinite game. Yes. Infinite, okay. game. Infinite game. So okay. I love it. So I love his philosophy of leadership. It really hits my core. Um, and so 
yeah, when it comes to leadership, that's, that would be my guru. All right. Interesting. Very, very, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. That start with the why just set, I don't know, it almost set Ted on fire for me. It's like all of a sudden I was paying a lot of attention to TED Talks. Yes. Up until then, it was like, yeah, I'll, I'll check. But man, that, that one really set the game off. All right. I was so, really into Ted before I even found out about him. And before I found out his is the most watched Ted in the world ever. Um, yeah. I didn't even know that until I got into him. So yeah. <laughs> that's that's crazy, isn't it? When you think about all of the knowledge that has been, you know, because what's Ted's technology? education, uh, something law, but yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just all of the things, all the things, starting with the why is the greatest uh, in terms of views. Yes. Okay. All right. So I want to get to another part, which is, you know, you being an expat. Yeah. Um, and, you know, where was, where, where did the, the desire come from did you take a trip with your when you was a kid and something what 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 made you want to you know like post up out of side of America so I did I did take trips as a kid so um my mother was a single mother um at a point to where I think I was in my teens um when she and my dad got divorced and so basically we would take road trips Right. So that's how we got to travel. So I learned back then, kids, uh, there was this flat thing called a map. And it's not that we thought that the earth was flat, but the map was flat. Right. <laughs> and so she taught me how to read a map. And so, you know, I could be the co-pilot um, and read the map. Um, of course, she was probably double checking me or whatever, but I got really good at reading the map um, just from being her co-pilot and us taking road trips. Um, but we took one road trip, um, especially from Birmingham, Alabama, which is my hometown. Um, all the way to West Coast, Mexico. Hmm. Kalima, Kalima, Mexico. That's a long drive. It took some days. Like, I don't know if that was wow. or so. Um, but I remember that road trip. And I remember being in Kalima, Kalima, Mexico uh, for about four months. So by the time we actually made it back, you know, school had already started for me and everything. But we started off like at the beginning of the summer. Okay. And what I, what I knew was I spoke English. These kids spoke Spanish. But we found a way to play and be together, um, you know, I actually, so I, my cousin was about um, my same age, and so we too were, were playing, um, and I just remember having all of these experiences. I remember watching Dukes of Hazzards, um, and it, it, it was in Spanish, and then I could read the English, and I was just like, okay, they don't sound nothing like them, but this is cool, right? I remember experiencing some of my favorite products, like Kellogg's Frosted Flakes and things like that, but the labels were different. They were in Spanish, you know, and so I remember that, and but I also remember not feeling not feeling left out of anything, even though I didn't know the language. And so I always knew that I had a love of travel. I didn't know it was going to turn into this until one year in corporate corporate um, America. I had already decided that I wanted to get out, right? Like, I need my freedom. It's, this is too much for me. Um, but I went on vacation. It was my first time going out of the country by myself. And so I had to promise my family, I'm, well, I'm going to resort, you know, it's, it's um, rest anyway. I won't go anywhere because usually I do excursions on this, but I'm never by myself. And so this mm -hmm. is my first time being my, by myself. And what I realized was when you go, like, you're going to connect with somebody there. You're not going to feel alone. You went alone, but you don't have to be lonely. 
right? So it just so happened like um, there was a couple that was in the, the hotel room next to mine and um, I was on the balcony and we had a whole conversation just on our balconies and then we met for dinner. I went to the beach and I said, okay, I'm going to write a book. But then I got, you know, sucker by the waves and watching waves and the, uh, another black lady came and sat next to me and she said, do you mind if I sit here? I was like, no, she said, I saw you earlier. I was so excited. She was a flight <laughs> attendant. And it was just a reminder that just because you go somewhere by yourself doesn't mean you yeah. have to stay by yourself, right? And so I was like, oh, I think I can do this, right? I think I can wow. continuously trust. Because when you have to wait on other people, it stifles you, yeah. right? Now you got to convince people to go and all that kind of stuff. And so I felt too much freedom at that moment. It was almost scary. I was like, oh, I can do this. Like I can go anywhere because now I feel like I can do it by myself. Um, and so that's what came to mind. And so when I actually left corporate America, started that full-time entrepreneurship, started hitting these milestones way before I ever thought I would, you know, oh, you have already replaced that six figures. You know what I'm saying? Oh, awesome. Oh, you have a location independent business. So now you can go anywhere in the world, right? And so I was like, let me do my proverbial throwing the dart on the digital planet, Google. Okay. So Googled digital nomad at that time, it was 2019 uh, Wi-Fi. Because I need Wi-Fi to make my money, right? You got to have Wi-Fi. So it comes up with these lists. And I'm looking at what I want to experience. I'm looking at, you know, yeah, I took Spanish in high school. I took it in college. But I don't know Spanish. Like, I don't know. Uh, I can't speak. You know, I can't hold a conversation. I can just, you know, agua, uno. Like, I don't know. Uh, but what I found was <laughs> the country of Belize, their actual country uh, language is English. Yes. Now, it's yeah. the Queen's English, but it's English. You know yes. what I'm saying? So I thought, oh, let me start there. So I go to this little small town right under Mexico called Corazal, um, mm -hmm. Belize. I didn't even go to where people, you know, go Yeah, not to the islands. Tourism. and Yeah. I right. wanted to actually feel it. You know what I'm saying? And so it was so local that if you didn't get up at six in the morning to go to the market on Friday or Monday, you didn't have non-perishable food. I mean, perishable foods, like fruits and vegetables, right? Because all the grocery stores had was perishable stuff like canned stuff and, you know, flowered stuff or stuff like that. And I was just like, oh, wow, this is local, local. So it was a great experience. But what I found was they spoke Spanish in that little town because they were right under. <laughs> right in Mexico. Right under Mexico. Okay. But I mean, it reinforced to me that language is more than words. Okay. Language is facial expressions. It's body. You know what I'm saying? It's tone. It's all of these things that you can get by on if you want to understand each other. If right? you try, yeah, yeah. If you want to understand each other. And so that was great. Then I so moved you can't, to you can't do that in France. Well, that's because they have, you know, they have that stereotypical <laughs> they attitude. Do. They do, they do, just a little bit, just a little yeah, bit. They, they have to be willing to work with you, right? Right, right, right. So they, they like I, it better if you don't try to speak French. They don't even want you to talk to them, uh, yeah. I, I, I dated a French guy before. They're very okay, quintessential bougie uppity. And, and what is this you talk about? They just, yeah, I, let me not try to uh, accent, but yes, they it's, it's the stereotypical attitude. Uh, but yeah, so then I went to Mexico. I lived in Mexico three years, y'all, and I still don't know Spanish. I've been here a year. I still don't really know Spanish. I know enough to order my food. But what I found was not only is language more than words, I have found that good people find other good people. And all you need is good people. 
right? So what I found in Mexico is when they saw that I was very reverent of their culture, when they saw that I treated them as an equal, you know, when they saw that sometimes I tried to speak a little Spanish to, to you know, and I apologize for not knowing the Spanish rather than looking at them like, why don't you know English, you know? Mm. And so what you find is being a good person, you attract other good people and you're going to have a good experience. And that helps. That found. helps. That helps yeah. a lot. So a let's lot. talk about some of the um, tools that you use to, to support your business. So yeah. what are what are the important tools that allow you to be a digital nomad? Uh, Zoom. <laughs> ah. Yeah, so Zoom, Zoom I have helps. my meetings on Zoom. So that allows me um, to conduct my consulting. Um, I have cloud storage, right? So that allows me to save documents in a way that other people can get to them. Um, Google Docs allows you to work in the same doc, no matter where you are in the world, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I have Acuity, which is uh, an appointment system. So, you know, people have appointments with me. Um, what else do I use? I use uh, Canva and Canva had their event today. It was amazing. It was um, amazing. I, it was. So for, uh, you know, all my digital visuals and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And as you know, you can talk to anybody on social media. Um, and so you have that. WhatsApp is very great. Um, yeah. In fact, entire, um, the whole business ecosphere in Mexico is built around WhatsApp. It's not mm -hmm. built around people having a landline phone number. It's built on a WhatsApp number. So you can, I can order a pizza by texting through WhatsApp. I don't have to actually call, which helps me because I can use the translator, right? right. Um, yeah, and so it's great. Uh, of course, they have even better. My favorite uh, tool for living outside the country, not for business, but just for life, is called Rappi, R-A-P-P-I. So think of DoorDash or Uber Eats, Rappi. I love it. I am like five times diamond. Almost every meal comes through Rappi. And so your girl don't cook. I don't do anything domestic because why would I do that? Um, and so, but those things help you to have a very location independent business because anything you can do in a brick and mortar for what I do for consulting, I, there's some kind of digital tool that I can use to do it. So how many times do you, do you have, are you, are you a dual citizen or are you, you know, uh, uh, just U.S. How many passports you got? <laughs> well, I only have one passport. Um, I will always be a U.S. citizen. Um, I've made that decision thus far. You know, I, I give myself, a, you know, this this life is a living, breathing thing. You can change your mind anytime. Um, at this point, I have decided I always want to be a U.S. citizen. Um, even though sometimes we with that crazy stuff um, for Black people, um, you know, that passport still holds a lot of weight. Um, however, I am going to get my Mexican residency, right? Yeah. Which means, you know, I have a level of citizenship, but I'm not a citizen. I, I don't get a, a Mexican passport. Okay. So I am going to do that. So you're moving back to Mexico. I am. I miss it. I am. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, you miss it. You're going to go back. So, I mean, but I mean, did you enjoy Argentina too? I mean. I did. I did. Okay. And so, and, and this is the thing, right? Yeah. Even though I'm going back to Mexico, what I've decided is I want that to be my home base. That little ah. special beach town that's also, you know, it's like beachy and it's touristy. I mean, a city, right? It's like local and it's touristy and it's very walkable. I don't feel like I have to own a car anymore, right? And so I love that that combination. Um, so I want that to be home base. I yeah. see myself buying property within the next three years, but I'm still gonna, you know, go off to other places and spend time. Um, sometimes I do it a week at a time. I call them workcations, right? Yeah. Not necessarily vacations, but I'm still working. But yeah, so I'm still that's gonna- funny. Yeah, that's funny. I Because I just talked to another, you know, you know, Tava, 
you know, yes. and, we, and and he's he's based in Mexico. And then I asked him, I'm like, well, why are you back? Where? Because he had gone around to like, I don't I don't remember exactly. He was in Colombia for a little while. He was in Colombia, yeah, he really liked <laughs> Colombia. So I'm like, why did you go back? You know, to Mexico, and he said the same thing. He's like, it's it's good to have a home base. Yes, you know, and he's chosen Mexico as his home base. I was like, interesting. So you now for here, you say the same thing. That's very interesting. You know yeah. that uh, you still but feel I did, that. I did enjoy Buenos Aires while I was here, right? Yeah. Um. So this is the closest I've gotten to a European culture because even though it's in Latin America, it's very European in influenced, mm -hmm. right? Um, so just like, you know, you got the Queen's English, you have the Spain's Spanish. Um, so they tend to be a little uppity here because they got the Spain Spanish and they're very European influenced in their, even in the Spanish and the architecture. And, you know, even their skin is lighter as Latin Americans, you know what I'm saying? And so it's very, it was, it's, it was, it was nice. It was a nice introduction into a different culture to visit. Yeah. Um, I am a beach girl. Like I love to be by water. Um, I need to see the sun set and rise over water. This is very much city. Like they have um, a delta. Um, it, it's dirty. It's like a dirty river. And so I was like, oh, that's water, but it's dirty. Like, mm, no, thank you. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just, it was different. It was nice to experience it. Um, yes. I love architecture. And the first picture I saw of here, I saw the architecture. And right as I was thinking it, I started uh -huh. reading the words, the Paris of South America. And I was uh -huh. like, whoa, I want to experience that next. And so it yeah. has been a great experience, but I'm ready. They have okay. seasons done. They're about to get cold. So I'm it's under the decent. equator. <laughs> Is that a problem? <laughs> Yes, I'm under the equator and our seasons are actually opposite of the United States. Uh, right? So you guys are getting to warmer seasons. We're getting to cooler seasons and y'all can have that. So when nice. I moved here, I actually had to have different types of clothes for the seasons. Um, again, I'm from Alabama. And so what we know is in Alabama, you can experience all four seasons in a day. I'm sick of that. So I just want to go back to Mexico where I know it's going to be hot every day. It's going to be hot every day. Every day. Yeah. Every day. So every day. just... Are, are there any, you know, challenges that you had to overcome, you know, like being African-American, African-American, Black, mm -hmm. um, I don't even know why I said that, um, but, or, or being a woman, what, how has that experience been? Um, so I will say being a woman, I conduct myself the same way I did in the United States. I use common sense. You know what I'm saying? So I'm very, I, 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 I do things in a way that I keep myself protected. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm not trying to stay out too late and just be wandering around by myself. You know, I'm just not allowing, you know, just anybody into my house or even know where I live. I'm not getting in a car with crazy people. You know, I'm, I'm just not doing that anyway. Now, being a black woman, what I will say is being in other countries um, and me being of lighter skin, like yourself, right? Uh, the light-skinned population um, is not always looked at as black, right? Um, so what happens is um, if you have if you have some um, mixtures in there and you have a nose that looks like a ski ramp and you have what they claim is good hair or whatever, you, you know, people tend to ask you, what are you? I know you're not regular old black, right? Well, let me tell you, in other countries, I'm regular old black. I ain't never been Look, so black. At home, I'm regular old black. <laughs> so black before, except for to come outside of the United States. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> people, I get to be black. That's funny. <laughs> but it's true, like I, it threw me off because all my life, 
you know, I wasn't black enough. And then you go to right. these other countries and they're like, oh no, you black. <laughs> you black. That's oh y'all black. You know what I'm saying? So that was a new experience for me. Um, people ask me, have I experienced racism outside of the United States? I will tell you that I am more at ease outside of the United States. Um, mm. Not only that, I don't really experience racism because my color is not just black. My color is green. I got money. So um, it ain't really much, you know what I'm saying, that they can discriminate against me about because I need people to understand that just because someone is looking at you and you happen to be the only black person, that's not racism. They're looking at you because you don't look like them. <laughs> You're curious. Attention. Everything curious. is not racism. You know what I'm saying? And so that's I'm tall. You know what I'm uh -huh. saying? And I wear my hair like this. I'm even taller. Big, um, yeah. I'm beautiful. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, so I'm going to garner attention anyway. Uh -huh. Anyway. And you, then I'm wait, from the South. But, but yeah, I was about to say now, I wasn't from the South. I moved down to Atlanta. And yes. the first thing I noticed was people yes. will look at you. I'm like, why are y'all looking? Why y'all staring at me? But, but they, one thing, they looking at you like, why are you different? No, they were actually looking at you because they expect you to say hi. Oh yeah, that too. Yes. Right. You know, just a friendly. They'll look at. They'll look at you and hey, how you doing? Kind of vibe. Up north where I was from, you don't be staring at nobody, right? And so you don't get so, eye contact. You don't. Yes. Speak. Yeah. And so it's funny because I went to Mexico. So yeah, again, I'm from the South. And what? so we have this rule that none of y'all know about if you're not from the South. Okay. So uh -huh. just to let you know, okay. uh, y'all are used to us speaking, but we will look at you when you don't speak and you don't know what the rule is, right? right. Well, the rule is if you walk into the room, you are the one to speak. Uh -huh. If someone was already in the room and you came in, you are to speak to them. If they okay. walk in the room, they're going to speak to you. So if a southerner is coming into your space, they're yes. going to speak. And so, but people don't know the rule, right? Oh. But that's our rule. So hey, in I Mexico, been here for twenty years, didn't even uh, that's know the that. Rule. That's, that's the, the rule. rule. And so when I got to Mexico, you know, hola happens to be one of the words I know, right? So I'm <laughs> okay. hola, and right. I was throwing them out like free money, you know, hola, hola, hola. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I'll never forget. I had this one street I would go down every day and I would speak, oh, la, oh, la, you know, and it, and it took my little neighborhood time to adjust to me, right? And they finally got, oh, she, she's just speaking, right? And so uh, they got, but the thing, the funny part about it was it would usually just be the men outside. The women would be inside or mm -hmm. gone or something, but it wouldn't be a lot of women on the street. Um, and every now and then there'd be kids. Like I would buy kids like little snacks and stuff, but if they're just playing the street, I speak to them too, you know, oh, la. But what I recognized was it was this little girl in the street playing and I spoke to all the guys, oh la hola, oh hola, oh la, you know what I'm saying? And I spoke to the little kids and all the little boys like oh la oh la and the little girl said no hola. And I realized I said, oh, you know what? That might be, I might be a little topic of conversation with the women that are in the house watching me speak to all the men and they're emphatically just speaking back. So it might be a problem. Uh, I might have to chill out. <laughs> she said uh, no. No, no hola. <laughs> Uh, I was like, oh, okay. That's hilarious. It's been absolutely fabulous getting to chat with you, man. I mean, there's so much information in here. Can you tell me though, uh, and this is like my last question I ask everybody, yeah. right? It's okay. like, um, basically, what question did I not ask you that I should have asked you? You should have asked me, who am I dating in all of these countries? Oh my God. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, who are you dating? 
I'm I'm dating local, baby, because just like I want to taste local cuisine, I want to taste local cuisine. <laughs> we can end right there. <laughs> Your girl is living a full life all around the world. Oh, <laughs> my goodness, Shay, Shay, Shay. So I will be seeing you shortly. I'm sure you're coming you out. Yeah. yeah, can't wait. Can't wait to hang out with you. Definitely hang out. Uh, at the end here, we're going to get rid of these people and we're going to talk about the local cuisine. All right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, you know, uh, thanks so much for joining us. You know, you know the drill. Share it, like it, tell everybody about it. I appreciate you, Shay, for being on. And uh, we're going to see you guys later. Tell them peace, Shay. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to The Smartest Podcast. I hope you found that conversation helpful and inspiring. So be sure to subscribe and do not miss any future episodes. Until next time, enjoy your journey of success. Thanks for listening.